to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR topics that is making the headlines. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in a people function. to a special episode of the HR Grapevine podcast with myself, Jade Burke, editor of My Grapevine. I just want to share some special thanks to our usual host, Sophie, who is letting me take the reins this week. I hope I can do it justice in your absence. And while we normally do take an in-depth look at a weekly HR issue, this week, as it's the final week of February, which marks LGBT plus history month, I really wanted to take a bit more of a deeper dive into this and find out what more employers could be doing to support their LGBT plus workers in the workplace. For example, with recent stats shared by CIPD, which is part of its new Inclusion at Work Perspectives at LGBT plus Working Lives report, finding that over 40% of LGB plus workers experienced a conflict at work over a 12-month period, and almost one in five trans workers reporting that they felt psychologically unsafe at work, it's clear more needs to be done. And to help me take a closer look into this, I'm thrilled to share that Alex Imke, the former Operations and People Director, and now Chief Operating Officer at Pink News, which is a UK-based online newspaper marketed to the lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender community, will be joining me today. And working for a publisher that specifically targets the LGBT plus community, Alex has a clear understanding of what support employees expect and want from their employer. Plus, thanks to his extensive HR background, he has a key understanding of how teams can implement this support into their HR strategies. However, in particular for this podcast, Alex is going to shine a light on what HR should be doing for trans employees, while also sharing some exclusive insight of Pink News' recently launched Transitioning at Work policy. In addition, I am also going to be joined by Steph Kiriaku, a trans colleague of Alex's, who is also the junior producer at Pink News. And in this podcast, he shared his thoughts on how best employers can truly support trans employees by introducing things such as trans training for managers. And luckily, we do now have the entirety of my phone call with Alex and Steph coming up. So without further ado, we will get stuck into both of their thoughts on supporting LGBT plus staff. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast. We've got two guests with us today, Alex and Steph from Pink News. So guys, if you just want to give yourselves a brief introduction, just so our listeners know who you guys are. Hi, thanks for having us today, Jade. Uh, my name is Alex Emke. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Pink News and my pronouns are he, him. Hi, uh, yeah, thanks for having me as well. Uh, I'm Steph. I'm a junior producer at Pink News and my pronouns are also he, him. Thanks, guys. So just to kind of kick off, I thought it'd be great to get your your thoughts on kind of what you think trans employees in general, how do they need more attention or do they need more HR attention within the workplace? 
Yeah, sure. I'll go first and then and then Steph can follow. So, yeah, our pink news, we use trans as an umbrella term, um, which is not limited to, but includes trans men, trans women, non-binary, trans femme, trans mask, genderqueer, gender fluid and or intersex. So, you know, we really recognise the, the validity of all of these gender identities and all colleagues who transition in the workplace. So, you know, just from sort of that umbrella description I just um, opened with, you can see the broad spectrum of gender identities um, that really need HR attention. And it is really broad um, and no one falls into one sort of specific category. So there is a real duty of care that needs to be uh, in place for these um, individuals and processes to support them through their journey while, at, um, you know, while with an organisation. You know, obviously HR's role is there to support all um, diverse groups within um, an organization. So the right processes and policies have to be in place. You know, this starts from the company mission, from the statements and values about how they, you know, view gender identity and inclusion in the workplace. And then, you know, that's a, a real great starting point. And then that really needs to be underpinned by a full range of policies and processes from, you know, anti-bullying, discrimination, mental health policy. And, you know, one of the reasons why we're here today, you know, potentially a specific transitioning at work policy. And, you know, in terms of a wider spectrum across the organisation, um, you know, trans might be a new term for many, um, you know, many individuals within a workplace. And, you know, it's HR's role to really lead the education and inclusion piece on that, you know, ensuring everyone in the organisation understands what it means to be trans and that the organisation has a full framework in place to support them. And, you know, that really does circle back to the role of HR. Piggybacking uh, off of what Alex said. It's also why trans employees need HR attention. It's because of like, I mean, the simplistic answer is unfortunately transphobia is still pre prevalent in a lot of places. And so if that attention is given, then, you know, it means that first of all, proper attention is being paid to, to minority groups as it should be. But it also means that ideally, if the HR departments in companies are being educated, then also can lend that education to other employees and kind of just make the workplace a comfortable environment for everyone. Um, but also, I'd say HR attention is um, important specifically for trans employees because so much of like transition and stuff can kind of not affect your work life, but more time than usual needs to be taken out sometimes for sort of transition related needs so sometimes there needs to be time off for appointments or for surgeries or for recovery times and that's obviously something that HR would normally deal with but for a lot of companies even places I've worked for before it wasn't seen as like a necessary procedure or a necessary time off it was like oh you can just use your annual leave and then you can take that off but it's not a holiday. It's not a recreational thing. It's essential healthcare that impacts trans people kind of physically and mentally. So it's it's really important to have a workplace that understands that and supports that for their employees as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've touched on some really good points there. And that leads nicely to my next question here. Just to get your kind of insights on, on what roadblocks do you think they face within the workplace in particular? Yeah, thanks for that, Steph. I think Steph, you know, touched on um, a lot of the issues there that are roadblocks that um, trans individuals do face face within the workplace. Um, you know, just from sort of you know a broad sort of spectrum of topics. You know, from like as I going back to that lack of education. You know, that lack of understanding, you know, lack of um, framework in place to facilitate a, a smooth transition at work, whether that be physical and mental health. Um, you know, returning to work. You know, all of those policies, making sure that you've got uh, flexible 
flexible working environment to support trans and trans team members. You know, for example, when I was working with our consultation group on our transitioning a work policy, you know, something that came up was, you know, medical appointments can be far from home or crop up at the last minute. You know, the NHS is really unpredictable in terms of how they um, support um, transitioning individuals. And so works really need to work flexibly with the team members to their you know, to their changing needs that, uh, that you know, the outside uh, outside forces from the NHS, for example. And then, you know, it comes back to also something like the physical workspaces. You know, Pink News um, has a policy. We will never work from a physical office, office that doesn't have a gender-neutral bathroom facilities. So, you know, it even comes down to the physical workspace where there can be roadblocks that, you know, HR or wider organisation might not have yet identified that could be a roadblock for a team member coming in who is transitioning. Yeah, no, I was going to, that was def, that was one of my points that many companies offices will be lacking in gender neutral facilities, which is obviously something, especially for non-binary trans people, that's something that is a huge issue. Also, yeah, I guess just going off of what you said about education in workplaces, it's also the fact that something, a lot of what I've realized is an issue in other places is I've only realized it because Pink News addresses those issues. So it's even things like trans awareness training for cisgender colleagues. I didn't even know that that was even a thing that was really accessible. Um, and yet, you know, they happen at Pink News with ease when, when we were in an office, um, which kind of showed me that that's definitely a roadblock that needs to be dealt with in, in many other spaces because I don't think any other companies, either they're not aware of these um, resources or they're just not that bothered about using them. But either way, that's something you just not just education, but just kind of sensitivity, I guess, and just kind of learning how to just talk to trans people kind of respectfully, but also know like what to say and what not to say, but not in a way that's like convoluted, just in a way that's kind of easy to understand for everybody, but also doesn't single out trans people as some kind of strange entity, you know, just making it a balanced place so that people feel so that the trans people feel comfortable there and then so that cisgender colleagues can feel comfortable having conversations and not worry about like upsetting anyone but also know that they have the the means with which to kind of understand yeah like boundaries and how to speak to people and just you know how how to be a nice person really yeah i think that's an interesting point that steph mentions it's that i think there's a real sort of fear of having these sorts of conversations in the workplace. And mm -hmm. as Steph mentioned, like cisgendered team members feeling awkward or unable to approach a topic. But yeah, if you can put a baseline of training in place and understanding and appropriate language to use, then everyone feels comfortable in that space, whether it's the trans team member, you know, or the cisgendered um, team member trying to navigate, you know, navigate that um, new situation for them. Just moving on from that, what, what can employers do in that instance then to, to support that? I know, obviously, you mentioned, Alex, to me that Pink News is launching a new policy um, for trans employees. So I don't know if you want to tell us a bit about that and, and what other employers can do in that instance. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we just went through a really... Um, uh 
uh, interesting process uh, with a consultation group to launch our transitioning a work policy. Um, you know, and we really wanted to be able to provide a provision within that policy to give trans team members the space to take time off for medical treatment, um, for you know, for physical medical treatment, but also have that space for mental health recovery to make sure that they were in the best place to come back to work and not have to return to work, um, you know, too soon after after medical treatment. Uh, so in a, in our pink news transitioning at work policy, we have included a provision of four weeks special special pay leave per year per leave year for individuals undergoing medical treatment. Um, and this has really been a transformative for those team members to be able to take that space, you know, transition, go on their journey without having to be concerned with loss of salary or, you know, returning to work, as I mentioned, prior to a full recovery. And I know that might not be an option for all, um, you know, for all of the HR professionals out there listening, but I think it really is something to consider and take away. And if you are going to, you know, be a fully inclusive organization and really, you know, put your uh, money where your mouth is, um, as it were, then I think you really need to think about what those mechanisms within the, that you have in your pol- that you have in the policy to, you know, truly support throughout the process. Um, Lloyds Bank is a really great example. There, you know, obviously Lloyds Bank, large um, banking financial organization with, you know, much more um, access to funds than, a, you know, an SME like Pink News. Um, but they actually, you know, uh, fund um, medical transition through their private um, health insurance. Um, obviously, as I said, that's not an option for many organisations. I appreciate that. So I think, you know, looking at that special paid leave or, um, you know, fully flexible working policy or additional sick leave, whatever it may be, there are mechanisms in place as an employer that you can really do to step up and be there for the trans community. Um, you know, and aside from sort of having a policy in place, um, you know, making sure that all of your other policies are gender neutral, um, you know, removing any binary gender terms such as he, she. You know, I really am surprised when I read um, employment agreements or employee um, handbooks or contracts from organisations are how gen- unnecessarily gendered they are. You know, it's really simple just to remove those terms and replace with employee rather than a, a he, she, for example. Um, you know, always remember to consult. You know, you've got to speak with authentic voices. Make sure you're speaking with the community um, and that this isn't just a sort of HR HR developed policy just for the sake of having it. It really needs to have that authentic voice through it. Um, And, you know, at Pink News, we really champion pronouns, um, you know, and, you know, it's a great place to start where if organisations are on their sort of inclusivity journey for the LGBT plus community, you know, making sure pronouns are in all of your email signatures, you know, maybe in your Slack profiles, you know, other um, online HR portals. Um, But if you are going to do that and have pronouns in your email signatures, then, you know, that has to be part of a wider inclusion strategy um, as, you know, having pronouns, as I said, is a great place to start. But that needs to carry all the way through through all of your other policies, as I said, around, you know, degendering policies, having a transitioning at work policy, um, you know, putting training in place, as Steph mentioned. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, there's lots and lots you can do. Um, and I think that, you know, um, employees just need to sort of take stock of where they are, have a look at their full suite of uh, employee information, um, and use that as a baseline and a starting point and go from there. I don't really have much to add to that, really. You kind of covered everything. Um, I guess uh, just a, a, a more specific um, tangent off of uh, your points, Alex, would just be kind of, yeah, in terms of making sure things properly like go through the the entire company and it's not just something that sits for example like pronouns in email signatures making sure that that's just not the only step done and then everyone says oh we're done now you know we've been allies that's it and then yeah just making sure i guess i think an important thing 
that I would look for would, would obviously be the team in general um, being as educated as possible and as aware as possible, but like definitely making sure kind of line managers and people in charge are trained up on, again, just simple things like language to use, keeping things gender neutral, um, knowing what questions to ask and not to ask, just so that then their employees can feel kind of comfortable going to them. Because oftentimes you, you talk to your line manager before you go to HR for anything. Um, so it's really important having that person that you feel kind of safe and comfortable with. Because, I mean, I feel lucky in that, you know, when I have to go for my appointments for things, I am comfortable telling my line manager what they're for. But some people might not feel that way. And then that could impact it because, you know, you 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 say I have an appointment, but you don't want to sound shifty, but you don't want to say what it is. And then it just becomes like uncomfortable for the trans person who's simply just trying to kind of get time off for necessary treatment. Um, so, yeah, just making sure everyone has as much information as possible, but definitely making sure the right people have the most education and awareness around everything so that then again, you know, the trans employees can feel comfortable and then the employer are doing everything they can to make them feel comfortable. I think that, yeah, I think that's a really um, just something to pick up on. As you know, one of the senior leaders at PIN News that Steph has flagged there, you know, it does come down to senior leadership to be knowledgeable, understanding, and be champions of workplace inclusion. You know, and this comes out of you know L the full spectrum of LGBT plus and um, diversity inclusion across the board. You know, senior leadership really need to be vocal um, and supportive from the get go. Uh, so, you know, as Steph said, um, team members can feel comfortable speaking with their line managers, you know, as well as HR. So it has to be a really, a really, really joined up process. Definitely. I think that's a really key point that you've both touched on there in terms of leadership and, and taking charge with that. And I think then just just to kind of finish up on what we've we've spoken about there, I know we've spoken a lot about trans there. Um, so I just want to get your thoughts on the LGBT plus community as a whole. And I guess just what sort of support you'd like to see or what should be put in place in the workplace um, and how that can be rolled out. Yeah, great question, um, Jade. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, I'd say overall, what I would love to see in workplaces as, um, you know, as they grow and develop and, and becoming more committed and, and knowledgeable about the DNI space is seeing more LGBT plus individuals and senior leadership roles. You know, there's um, still not enough um, C-suite LGBT plus representation. So, you know, organisations, senior leadership now really working and mentoring junior team members, um, you know, making sure that they know that there is a place, um, you know, up the up the hierarchy for them. And that's vital for, um, you know, uh, consistent and ongoing LGBT plus inclusion. As Steph and I mentioned previously, you need to have those authentic voices at the top, you know, and that, you know, that can be challenging in some some industries that aren't your usual industries for LGBT plus individuals to enter. You know, PIN News um, has a LGBT plus young person, uh, new grad and student event called PIN News Futures. And so we're really committed to working with our partners through PIN News Futures to engage them with young um, and upcoming LGBT plus talent from all over the UK. Uh, I'd also say, you know, companies 
being really supportive of the wider LGBT plus community outside of their workplace, you know, considering supporting LGBT plus charities throughout the year, not just around like Pride or LGBT plus History Month, you know, really making that commitment to the wider community. Um, you know, you can enter your LGBT plus employees in awards. Um, we are, I'll do another little plug, like our Pink News Awards later this year. You know, there's lots of opportunities out there to elevate the great work that LGBT plus employees do in the workplace. Um, you know, just touching back on some of the previous um, points we've made, you know, just continuing to foster that gender neutral environment through physical workspaces, gender neutral facilities, like really making that the workplace norm. Um, and that will make all LGBT plus people feel continually supported and comfortable in the workplace. And then just ensuring that, um, you know, diversity inclusion is a constant thread throughout recruitment and wider company policies. And that 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 includes like, all intersections of the LGBT plus community. So really making sure that you're engaging with everyone throughout all stages of, of the recruitment process. Um, Steph, anything I might have not touched on there from a non-HR perspective? Um, I mean, my you, you touched on this, but this for me is just a really big point and a really important one. Um, definitely just LGBT plus people being consulted on LGBT plus issues and topics, because that is just, I don't think I can stress enough how important that is and how much of a difference it makes. First of all, because you're getting your information directly from people who are experienced and who know what they're talking about, but also because it's a really big gesture for your LGBT plus employees, because it shows that, you know, their vo voices are valued and that you understand that when, when to take a step back and when to amplify voices, like that's, that's literally the definition of being an ally is not speaking over people or for people, but giving people a platform from which to speak and share their own stories and their own experiences. So that just cannot be kind of said enough how important that is uh but aside from that yeah i think you covered everything else alex thanks steph brilliant i think that is the perfect place to kind of wrap that up today unless there was anything else you you both wanted to touch on at all no, just to close off and say thank you so much for having us. I'm really pleased that this is becoming like a main a mainstream conversation and you know such um you know widely distributed publication like HR Grapevine is you know really engaging with this issue. Um so it's really, you know, I guess one thing we haven't actually mentioned in, in great detail is allies. I think Steph did touch on it. And you know, allies are hugely important to, you know, all diverse communities. Um so having LGBT plus allies, you know, within the workplace and in the wider business community, um, such as HR Grapevine fine is you know is is beneficial um so yeah I look forward to continuing the conversation with you yeah thank you very much for having us this has been awesome that was a fantastic in-depth look into this topic and i'd just like to say thank you to both alex and steph for joining us this week and if you did enjoy that please do follow our regular podcast series every week we deliver cutting edge insights from hr experts on the most pressing hr topics and next week we'll be back with our usual podcast format for you 